This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Leadership Platform, Multiplying Leaders, Moving Society. I'm Adrian Grunewald, and for all things leadership, go to leadershipplatform.com. One word, two Ps in the middle. I'm with my partner, Roger Sitole, co-founder with Think Lead, and our purpose is to take leadership to the next level. And our first offering to the world is the Leadership Platform app, and you'll hear about that more and more as we share this wonderful leadership content with you. Our Leadership Masterclass today is part of our BLSA Authentic Leadership Conversation series with CEOs and board members of BLSA, and uh, this will, of course, populate the Leadership app, Rogers, that will give us quality content, um, the best that we can possibly get. Uh, and before I say who the, the leader is today, Rogers, welcome. Thank you very much, Adrian. It's great again to be in this beautiful part of the country um, and interviewing a dynamic leader. I'm very uh, grateful to, to be part of this uh, interview. Part of the board of BLSA today is Busasiwe Mavuso. She's the COO of BLSA, former MD of BMF. Um, she holds, among other qualifications, Masters in Business Leadership and other qualifications, BCom degree from UNISA and so on and so forth. Very dynamic. Met her a few weeks ago. I loved her energy, and we want that energy on the show today. Busi, good to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation, Adrian. This is the leadership platform. We're going to talk to you about leadership. Um, first, we'll ask you a little bit about BLSA, how it's doing yes. since you got involved. But before yes. we do that and talk about authentic leadership and broader issues, a short recording of BLSA CEO Bonang Mohale sharing the vision of BLSA. My name is Bonang Mohale. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Business Leadership South Africa. Our reason for existence, and indeed the architecture, is to look at prosperity for all by partnering with all the social partners to ensure that we attain this notion of inclusive economic growth in our lifetime. We have just launched a new BLSA strategy that rests on three legs. The first leg is indeed straight out of the NDP 2030 inclusive economic growth and transformation. The second leg is the protection of our key institutions. In general, the chapter nine institutions, but in particular, the office of the public protector, because this is the one that is the most under siege. The last is how then do we position business as a national asset. So we hear from that strategy that the new BLSA is really making as its core mandate and focus the business, the environment, but also ensuring that we regain our voice. So the first pillar, had we transformed, we genuinely believe that would have earned the right, the license to operate, to then enlist support from the rest uh, of the social partners so that together we can defeat um, state capture, which is much more serious, much more systemic and systematic, chronological, methodical with an approach than just ordinary corruption. That's why um, transformation and indeed uh, inclusive economic growth is absolutely number one. The second pillar talks about positioning ourselves um, to really uh, protect the key institutions. Because what stands between us and anarchy 
is really our constitution, world-class constitution, a gift that has been stowed upon us by our forebears. Uh, this united, non-racial inclusive constitutional democracy. And then lastly, how does business benefit not just the shareholders, um, but also our own employees so that we can pay them decent wages to be able to afford the products and services that we make and provide. And then lastly, of course, is how, as part of that, we can bring about this notion of um, shared value. Shared value by investing in the communities where we have a presence, shared value so that our employees are just the beneficiaries uh, of this democracy dividend. Thank you very much. Busisiwe, Busi, it's good to have you with us. Um, we ask every one of the CEOs what their perceptions are of how BLSA is doing because more than ever it's come out of obscurity. It's always been there. I mm-hmm. mean, it's never been useless or quiet or anything like that. But man, since that energy ball called Bonang Mohale uh, became involved to some degree and the new board and people like yourself, just your, your feeling of what you guys are achieving? Yeah. So I think the PLSA has never been in a uh, the fortunate position that it currently finds itself in. We've got an opportunity as the current leadership of PLSA to create something dynamic, to create something impactful, to create something powerful, you know, out of business. Um, with the current gains that we have made as the PLSA, the influence that we have had, the activism that we have actually uh, uh, started last year around the white monopoly capital narrative, the influence that we currently have, uh, there isn't a conversation that is currently happening within business where a voice of business leadership South Africa is not sought. So we've got an opportunity to shape the discussions, to shape the debate. We've got an opportunity to actually um, direct where leadership in South Africa is supposed to go, where business is supposed to go. Interestingly enough, we're busy with the land discussion with our CEOs. You know, we've got an opportunity to can shape what that policy ought to be so that it doesn't in any way negatively impact the environment within which business operates, but more importantly, the international community. It doesn't dampen the current um, uh, ramaphoria as they put it, mm. you know, it doesn't dampen the business confidence, you know, it doesn't dampen the uh, investor mm. confidence. And that is exactly what we seek to do. So from a policy perspective, we've got a great opportunity to can actually shape this debate. So we have never been in a better position. I, I mean, I, I get excited about the principle of unity. Yeah. So you might have these, let's say, ATCOs yes. sitting around a table. Yes. I've recently seen articles about the kind of collective tax bill that they pay yes. and how many employees they yes. have. If you, and you, when you add all that up, you realize yes. all you need is unity, Absolutely. a united voice, Absolutely. and they cannot but have huge influence in the country. Absolutely. And that is happening, Rogers. You, you, there, there's like a, a united voice. Yes. Um, it'll have its moments. It'll have its resistance, challenges amongst your own leadership, whatever. You know, those things will happen. Yep. But with that unity, and I sense it when you talk, you know, there's energy and you, you're starting to make an impact. Agree, Rogers? Yeah, absolutely. I Isn't mean, nice uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely. I mean, in our previous uh, conversation, uh, you, you can see that the uh, leaders uh, are taking a stand in, in how 
the shape of the ca- of the country. Uh, I mean, they can influence rather the shape of the country, and that's critical. I mean, previous to this, so to the energy ball that you've spoken about, it's almost as if uh, business was in obscurity, and they've, they've they've brought it out out of obscurity. Absolutely, and, and that's quite amazing uh, for people like myself who are in business as well. Uh, we're taking a cue from that, and, yeah. and, um, and that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is historic, and one of the BLSA board members said it's the best time ever to be on the BLSA board. It absolutely is the best time ever. You know, I think one thing we've committed as BLSA is that never again, never again should business be so disengaged. Never again should we be so passive. Never again should we take our eye off the ball. Never again should we take our foot off the pedal. And that is exactly what we aim to do. I think one of the quotes that I absolutely like, it was a quote by Nelson Mandela, said it, I don't know what was the context or background, that if you, and I think this is to your point, Adrian, about unity, if you speak to a person in a language that they understand, Mm. then you get to engage their mind. But if you speak to them in their own language, then you get to engage their heart. Mm. And one of the questions that I often ask myself, looking at where we are in the country today, with the deepening racial tensions, with the amazing regression that we seem to have, you know, undertaken. I sit and think and say that, but in 1994, we had a language as South Africa when we agreed that we are not going to go down the path our other African sisters' uh, countries went down. You know, when we agreed and chose unity, you know, when we chose justice, you know, over, you know, uh, uh, you know, making sure that people are being penalized for the mm. wrongs that they mm. did and so forth. In 1995, when you undertook the rugby cup, you know, we had a language that was... Po- so mm. we probably... So, so, so the unity theme you're talking about, it says to me, we do have a language as South Africans. We just need to probably remind ourselves mm. what is that language. And I'm sure if we can reach deep within ourselves, we can. T- but the thing is, it takes a leader to can be able Correct. to remind us of all that mm. language. To trigger that and I think to what to, to mm. trigger that absolutely. And I think what we're missing in South Africa today is precisely that we don't leave leadership. You know, we need to agree. If leadership is there, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Leadership in South Africa today is dismally failing. Yeah, in a way, I mean, business leadership must have unity amongst business and grow business and help grow the economy, jobs and all those things. But if you don't have strong leadership, True. then business won't work. Absolutely. So it, it remains the underlying foundation. So that's why we start off this leadership masterclass with a conversation around leadership. And then we'll go to broader issues, see what the challenges in society are, but also zoom in on you a little bit, you know, what you see as life success principles. Yeah. So we're going now to leadership and then personal and then broader. Yeah. So let's kick off. You prepare just a few statements that to you best describe an authentic leader and yeah. leadership. And we'll take them one by one and discuss them, debate them as a panel so that we can uh, share these, these short video clips with, with the world as well. The one that you shared with us was the act of leadership is one of pure informal influence. I'm interested in, in your, your thoughts on that one. Yeah. So my view in as far as that is concerned is that in as far as leadership is concerned, you probably need to show people or share with them your vision. Share with them what your thoughts are. Share with them what you think needs to be done. And leave it up to them to actually uh, 
buy into that vision, to actually follow you and, and so forth and so forth. But that doesn't come about automatically. It comes about if you engage with people on a personal level. If you are interested in people in their personal capacity, you know, who are you? Where do you come from? What makes you tick? What keeps you awake at night? You know, and and, and until you actually engage with a person at that level, there is no way that you are actually going to get them to follow you. And I think from my conversation, you can see that I'm definitely a people-centric and transformational leader. You know, I don't believe in transactional because I believe that as human beings, we until we have satisfied that which is important to us as human beings first – before anything else, then we'll be able to be engaged and be able to, you know, get people to buy into whatever it is that you want to. So I think that is where we miss it. You know, we probably treat people as objects. You know, people need to follow instructions. People are not robots. And I think we actually get that. I think we I think until we understand that we need to engage not people's minds but people's hearts, then we can actually achieve a lot. And I think that is what we're missing a lot. See the energy, Rogers. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, a, that's the energy that I love. This informal influence, the act of leadership is one of pure informal influence. Is that, is that what you mean, linking with what matters to people? So therefore, if my title is gone and I can link with what matters to people, to their heart, uh, what's real to them, then I'll still lead. Does it make sense? As opposed to just with my title, formal management style, get this done, deliverables. I mean, Absolutely. sure, you get Absolutely. it done, you push it through with your title. Absolutely. But when I connect with who you are and what matters to you, then I'm on the informal territory. You are in the informal territory. It's not about positional leadership, you know, mm. because once you descend that position, then probably there's – and probably we will follow you if you – push around your positional leadership because maybe it might be driven by fear or losing our jobs or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. But if it's out of, you know, sincere respect, you know, sincere, then, you know, it, 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 it really stays there. There is no way, Rogers, I can expect you to deliver and perform when you left a sick child at home. Mm-hmm. Until I have understood that mm-hmm. you are dealing with that, you know, then there is no way I can have you switched on and engaged? And I think that is the pure informal influence that I'm actually talking about. Mm. And until I've actually connected with you at that level, then I would actually get, you know, you know, you to actually be fully engaged. And I think that is, that is what it's really all about. You know, that is but the pure wanted, informal yeah, influence. I, I just wanted to, to delve a bit uh, on, on, you know, you spoke about transactional yes. uh, uh, leadership yes. uh, you know I, I would like us to go back to that a bit and yes. and explore that um, as to do you foresee any dangers perhaps in 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 a in a leader who perhaps is not transactional versus the one that is transactional do the leaders that are transactional get things done i mean as we are aware business it's about the bottom line unfortunately you know they 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 get to be brutal uh, and and, and uh, Leaders have got different styles. In our previous conversation, we had uh, a leader who spoke about the different styles and what he prefers. And I can hear you say that you don't want to be a transactional leader. Can can we can we go back and chat a bit about that? What what are your thoughts in terms of will that perhaps hinder delivery in an organization or not? If you are not transactional, it it it, it might not hinder delivery. You will probably still get the same results, but the 
my worry about transactional leadership is the minute you turn your back or the minute you walk out the door, the minute you're no longer in the organization, mm. probably whatever it is that you may have set up in that organization might live with you. It might crumble because people were doing it out of conformance. Mm. And not out of really deeply believing in what it is. You need to get people to buy into the vision. You need to get people to understand why we're doing what we're doing. You need to get people to understand the vision, the mission of the organization. They need to live, eat, breathe. BLSA, so that mm. when I'm not here tomorrow, then they can take off exactly from where. And if I fail to do that as a leader, then I failed in my leadership role. Mm. Because then it is about really getting the energy that I probably have about business leadership. It really should be shared. You, you, if 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 you really find it in me alone, then I, I haven't been successful in communicating what it is that we aim to achieve as an organization. Why it's important. Why it's going to revolutionize. South Africa and why we probably need that revolution. You know what 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 its impact is going to be in the broader scheme of things. Mm. Now people need to have that. Even your janitor in the organization needs to. I I I I, I don't know which organization and and I think this has always stayed with me. Which organization this was, where this person said, I walked into this company and I asked the janitor, what do you do? And he said, I think it was about Neil Armstrong. Mm. My job here. Is to get the man to the moon, and it. He's a janitor, but he understands that the mission, the vision that we have in this organization, is to get Neil Armstrong to the moon, mm. not to clean the floors. Now, until you have people engaged at mm. that level, then we have gotten it right, and you cannot achieve that by transactional, transactional leadership. leadership. Absolutely not. It's an interesting. You know, this, I think our corporate environment definitely still provides for purely clinical. Get things done, transactional yep. leaders, unfortunately. <laughs> yep. But you're right, things often go wrong when they leave, when they're gone. Um, in fact, a lot of backstabbing even. You know, yes. People do what they can to, yes. to, to show or show up the leader and, yes. and, and, and point out the kind of person that he or she was. Mm. So, so I think a combination is important, of course. You've got to get transactional things happening. You've got to get actions going. But on the foundation of, as you call it, informal influence, on the foundation of caring and connecting and all those things. But you know what also happens, and as, as she's talking, I'm thinking, especially in my line of business, um, you, know, you can get people to do work from 8 to 5. Yes. Because that's what you're expecting yes. them. But do not expect them to go beyond that. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, you, I, I saw there was, there was a, I was reading an article where in the U.S. they've just passed a bill uh, to, to make sure that employees are protected. When the boss sends you a message outside working hours, in quote, whatever working hours are, you don't have to respond. Now, if you're a transactional leader, that Absolutely. bill will come into effect. But yes. if you're not, yes. it doesn't matter. Because they will be able, they will want to, to do whatever it they is that they want to do, it irrespective anyway. of what exactly. the hours or the times exactly. are. Exactly. They understand that my job is not 8 to 5, but my job is to deliver APC. So if delivering APC takes them 12 hours in a day, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because they don't work 8 to 5. Mm. They, their job is to deliver a certain project. Yes. And I think that is the importance of transformational leadership versus transactional yeah. leadership. And then they can go play golf on and a Friday they if they need to because they delivered. Absolutely. But to see where your next one, thought that describe an authentic leader is, if you're not teaching, you're not leading. I like this one. I think one can almost call leaders teachers. Yeah. Teach the vision. Yeah. Teach the strategy. Yes. Not communicate it. That's yes. a nice way of I think communication is part of teaching. Yes. Not teaching part of communication. Yes. It's a subcategory of it. Yes. But your thoughts take us on, on a journey there. If you're not l teaching, you're not leading. Absolutely. 
So I'm a firm believer that um, anything can be taught. I actually would rather take someone off the street without a single day of work experience with the right attitude rather than take someone with all the qualifications with a bad attitude. Mm. Because I think that is, you, you, you can get so much done with someone who is willing to be taught. Mm. And I think that goes a long way. And I think probably in the current South African context where you have probably one of the highest levels of illiteracy, when we have the past and the history where we come from, where there is such a dire need of a critical mass of black people into leadership positions, we have a burden, especially as black leaders, it doesn't in any way absorb, you know, our white counterparts from actually teaching, you know, uh, through leadership. But as black leaders, you have an obligation and a burden to ensure that you teach. I get reminded every day when I go home to Soweto. It's uh, Tuesday now at half past ten. Go to Soweto and see how people are loitering the streets. Soweto is too far. Just go across the road in Alexander. See how people are loitering the streets. It cannot be. And we say we want to take this country to a level where we achieve a 3 to 5% economic growth without that critical mass of people being involved in the economic mainstream. It's not going to happen. So how do we get them into the economic mainstream? How do we get them to be active? How do we get them energized? How do we get them rejuvenated? How do we get them excited about something again? How do we get them to wake up and look forward to go do something, whatever it is? It is by really, you know, teaching. It is by, you know, giving them something to actually look forward to. Sure. And I think that is what, you know, I, 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 think, I, I think for whatever reason, we have become so solitary, you know, inward looking. We are really worried about self. We are really worried about, you know, what's in it for me. And, and I think we've forgotten that, you know, uh, you are who you are because of, you know, in Zulu we say, umundung, umundung abandu. And I think until we go back to those fundamentals and basics, then I think we would, you know, uh, 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 get this whole thing right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, coming from Soweto to myself, yeah. uh, you, you, you spot on. I mean, um, it's a sad situation. And, and, and unfortunately, as leaders that uh, have been privileged, yeah. uh, I think it becomes our responsibility as well to those that we've been lifted to lift others as Absolutely. well, to be able to lift others. You know, earlier on in the conversation, I mean, off bef before we started the chat, we were talking about uh, uh, the current ongoings in the country, and you'd indicated that, you know, if you were to go to the poorest of the poor, uh, those that yes. do not have anything, you yes. need to ask them, yes. what are the top three things yes. that they would want? Yes. Perhaps the current debate that's yes. going on in the country now yes. would not be uh, one of the top uh, three priorities for them. What do you think would be the top three priorities that we as leaders can then be able to focus on to in teaching or in helping them come up? You know, it is as simple as if you look at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. As human beings, inherently, until our basic needs are satisfied, you know, you cannot even dream about your second level of needs. So your basic needs being food, shelter, water, security. 
That is, so I, I, until these, are, what are you gonna do with land when you don't even have somewhere to sleep? When your stomach is hungry? When you you can't even think about education? You know, hence I think the program, for instance, of feeding children at school is such a brilliant one because how do you even begin having a conversation and teaching a child that is hungry? So until those basic needs are satisfied, so hence I'm saying the land issue is really a proxy war. It's got absolutely nothing to do with land. People are crying for equality. People are crying for the basic. People are saying enough and no more. People are saying it cannot be that we are continuing to suffer and live in these horrendous circumstances for 24 years into democracy. And those of, it's a huge indictment for those of us in leadership. Because what are we sitting and doing? You say, uh, this is really going to take me down uh, <laughs> another road, which is, yeah. you, you, you know, but it's a bigger issue. You know, it's a bigger issue that we need to be awake to, 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 to be attentive to as South Africans, as leaders. Because if we are not, I promise you, more than anything else, Rogers, this is what is going to bring this country to its need, to its knees, if we don't actually attend to it. Mm. The basic needs of the people, we need to at least give people that. The real issues. The yeah. real issues. And, and it happens when leaders are not uh, that common touch. They're not in touch with a common person on the ground, the ordinary citizen. Absolutely. You know, you're fighting big battles of there trying to make your own billions and hundreds of millions and to have power instead of connecting with people on the ground and seeing what the real needs are. So if you're not teaching, you're not leading. The next thought that you're sharing with us is the growth and development of people is the highest calling of leadership. I've heard that statement before. You believe yeah. in that. I absolutely believe in that. I took that from Bonang, actually. I think Bonang says that a lot, you mm. know, to say that. So at the end of the day, when all is said and done, you need to be able to point as a leader to your point, Rogers, to say that you have an obligation to ensure that you lift those who come here. You've got an obligation. You know, it's not if I'm in the mood or not, whether I like to, uh-uh. We've got an obligation, and until we understand that as leaders, you know, then. So I think the highest calling of leadership is to ensure that those who come behind us, you know, are taught, you know, and they grow and they are developed every day. And I think that is what is critical. And especially in a business context, it cannot be more important. Because back to the point that I made earlier, the day you leave this organization, then I promise you this organization is then going to the vision, the mission, the, fo- the focus, the objectives, the strategies are really going to leave, you know, with okay. you. So you actually need to ensure that people understand what is it that we're doing here? What is this thing about? Why do we need to do it? So the growth and development of people, you cannot invest in people enough. You know, you, 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 you actually need to be able to leave uh Protégés, you know, as it were, you know, to, to, to say that these are the people that I've developed and these are the people that I've actually, in one way or the other, touched their lives and have influenced, you know, to be who they are. Because this thing needs to be a continuation. It can't just stop with you. And how do you do that without being a teacher, right? How do you do that without being a teacher? Absolutely. So, you can so it goes back there. It goes back to that point very, very powerfully. Uh, if I want to honestly develop Rogers here or he wants to develop me, he's got to teach me. Absolutely. Coach me. Absolutely. Mentor me. Absolutely. All those things coming And up. we need to take that time. And unfortunately, we're just too busy. You know, you get these youngsters reaching out and they're looking for coaching sessions, mentorship and whatever. And we're just busy in our own little worlds, you know, doing whatever it is that we're doing and forgetting that these are the people that are actually going to be leaders every yeah. day. So what is it that we're actually giving back to them the way those who came before us took the time? You know, to actually invest in us, to actually mentor us, to actually coach us, to actually hold our hands. Mm. So to what extent are we actually 
giving that back. And I think that is probably the selfishness that currently exists, you know, and we need to really be awake to that and to ensure that we always remember that the highest calling of leadership is indeed growth and development. Mm. Can we take that into a, a structural form rather than a, uh, an individual uh, form? So growth and development. I'm, I'm thinking I'm an entrepreneur myself. Yes. Uh, I started a business uh, about a decade ago. And, and I'm looking back now and say, I wish I, have, I had the influence or at least the circles that I have now. I wish yes. I had them then. Yes. I wouldn't have made as many mistakes yes. as I did in business. Yes. And, and I think uh, we've got a lot of people out there now that are, are SMMEs, uh, that are entrepreneurs, that, that are in need of that growth and development. Absolutely. What is BLSA's role? Uh, in that regard when it comes to SMMEs uh, around growth and development? So I think we haven't even scratched the surface when it comes to the SMME development and it's a very critical one because I think we've agreed that the economic growth that we're actually looking for in this country is not going to come from big business. It's going to come from the continued growth of SMMEs. So what we have done so far is to set up a fund, the SMME fund, as PLSA, $1.5 billion, and uh, it is through that fund that we're hoping that we are going to grow SMMEs. Uh, don't ask me how. We haven't yet mm. agreed the structure, form, or shape of how it's going to actually pan out. It's part of our CEO initiative. It was when Praveen Gordon was Minister of Finance at the time, you know, when he came back from divorce and said, something is going to have to give. You know, we're going to have to do something as business in as, in as far as growing and investing in SMMEs. You know, and it was our CEOs who raised their hands and said, I'm going to give X, 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 and that came to $1.5 billion. We have set that in a fund and we have now hired a CEO who's then going to reside over that fund and we need to come up with some, you know, way in which we're then going to distribute uh, that money and ensure that it uh, does what it was intended to do. That's what Adrian Gore referred to, hey, Adrian in, in our Gore, conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's, will will BLSA have an influence as to how uh, uh, those funds are utilized for the development and growth of uh, SMMEs? Because the reason I'm asking that is, you know, I've, I've seen in, in my short, uh, short life in, in business in that you know, you, you get uh, people wanting to come in to give you funds, uh, but to take 75% of your business yeah. in helping you, in the name of helping you grow and develop your, develop your business. Yeah. But you'll find that mostly that's not what we need as SMMEs. I'm yeah. speaking as an SME. Yeah. That's not what we require. Yeah. What we require is an opportunity to provide value, uh, an opportunity to come and do work in your business and get paid in that regard and get preferential payment terms. Absolutely. That's what we're looking for. But if the fund has been set aside so that it can be used to take ownership in those businesses, well, we're, not, we're not getting there. We're not getting there. You're just going to get people that are going to put structures and structures without end uh, in an attempt to help SMEs grow. And what's going to happen is you're going to end up stifling them and actually probably killing them. That, that's my personal uh, view. So I hope in your consideration as to how that those funds are spent, that you actually do engage SMMEs and hear and understand what are the top three things that they are looking for that they want. I'll tell you what makes me happy. Uh, this is not a government fund. Yep. Okay, and government funds like this have good intention, but very often the people driving it don't understand, like Adrian Gore maybe, who started a business from nothing Absolutely. what was needed. I think Absolutely. he's forgotten a lot of it by, by now, but... But typically, if you have these business owners, then, 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 then one would easier connect with them on the real needs. Yeah. 
and hopefully there'll be less bureaucracy and all those sort of issues you know less corruption uh, we don't know so interesting uh, point you raised there and, and i think we must have a conversation about sme leadership at, at some stage in, in more detail I think that is the biggest value that business can actually give to that SMME fund, more than just giving the yes. money, the yeah. guidance, the yes. hand-holding, mm. and, and so forth and so forth. We've got a lot that we can give and share, especially when you look at who's sitting at PLSA. When you walk into our council meeting, the 81 CEOs of JSC, you cannot get better power yeah. than that. Can you imagine if they really committed to actually say we are going to take this power, experience, knowledge, expertise, and so forth and so forth, to grow SMEs. Imagine the influence, the, the impact influence, the that impact. that can have on those SMEs. The, the so overnight 1.5 billion is, a, is proof of that, you know, just like very quickly. Absolutely. We've got two more points just to cover around leadership yeah. uh, and then and then we'll go to you and, and, yeah. and the broader issues of society. Maybe we'll go back to some of the points raised earlier. Yeah. And uh, the one you did touch on, but I'd want us to spend a minute or two on it. Yeah. Before we go there, you became successful as a manager, not on the strength of your strategy, but on your ability to manage effectively. Now, we're talking about leadership, but you've got to be a good manager. Yes. Maybe that's a bit of a transactional element in, yep. in, in one's uh, armory. Yeah. Just take us through this point. Yeah. So the, 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 the effective management, b- before I even dwell on that, it goes back to you cannot even start and begin managing what it is that you don't know. So you can only be effective in what you do if you know what you're doing. So it it brings me back to the point of probably addressing the instant gratification that the youth of today seem to be on this path on. Mm. You know, they want to start this today, finish it. You you know, everything has to be fast. There is a lot of value. There is a lot of virtue in having walked down the road. I cannot even begin to start managing accountants if I haven't done bookkeeping, if I haven't done the cash book, if I haven't done data, if I haven't. So you, 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 you can only manage effectively if you have done, you know, Get your hands dirty yeah. at some point. And I think all the CEOs you're talking about, your Adrian Go, whatever, you ask them, they start at the bottom. So I think that probably speaks to there is virtue, there is a lot of goodwill, there is a lot of value that you derive from having started at the bottom. And I think being an entrepreneur yourself, I'm sure you can attest to this, to say that having started this thing from scratch, there is no one who can come tomorrow and try and, you know, and and I think we lack that. You know, leadership today lacks that. The the, the crumbling of the SOEs that you see today, it's precisely because they decided to put board members who didn't have never sat in an office or never open, uh, you know, and not disrespect to them, you know, but you, yeah. you know, that is exactly, you know, what has happened. You know, they really took people off the street. They took people off the jungle for a lack of a better word. You know, they took these people from the Tanzania mountains where the ANC people were in struggle together and they put them in bedrooms. It cannot be, you know, leadership is not like that. You cannot manage effectively if you don't know what you're managing. Mm. So I think that is exactly okay. the point that I'm actually uh, going to in as far as that is concerned. I've met some great leaders who are good at remembering people's birthdays and yep. they're good at inspiring and so on, but yes. but their management is shocking. Yep. And and then it falls flat and you yes. kind of wonder, this is such a great person. Yes. Wow, you know. Yes. How yes. can he or she yes. have failed? Yes. Then yes. the last one which you touched on, but let's just make sure we, we get the substance behind it. If you speak to a person in a language they understand, you speak to their mind. But if you speak to them in their own language, you speak to their hearts. Are we, first of all, speaking about actual language? If you speak to me in Afrikaans, I speak to you in Zulu, Sutu, <laughs> you know, Tswana, whatever, then, then that, I know that, that at that 
I don't want to say superficial level. Yeah. It does connect. Yes. You're good at that, Rogers. Yeah. You, you'll have Afrikaans <laughs> colleague and then just throw it out. And you're just so good at connecting. And, and um, that's where us whiteys often struggle, to be frank. We, yeah. we can't connect at that level very yeah. often, you know. Yeah. And, and, and that's the benefit you have of the education system in the past where we were forced maybe to, to learn those languages. And it wasn't so popular. Yeah. But it does. It makes a massive difference when you do that. But is it more than that? Is it just at a language level or is it deeper? For me, it's more than that. I don't know. So I, I look at the statement and inter, in, in interpreting it for myself, it's metaphoric. I don't know in what context or background Mandela meant it in, but that for me speaks about a unifying vision. Mm. It speaks about something we all, you know, can share in, can believe in. It, it's beyond language, mm. you know. So if, if, if you have that common unifying vision as a people, you know, as a team, as a company, as a country, as a family, as a, you know, then, you know, you really engage not just people's minds, but people's hearts. And I think okay. the point that I was making earlier on is we are where we are South Africans today because I think we have failed to really uh, 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 um, cement our unifying vision because we do have it. But we just haven't cemented it and we haven't really crystallized it yeah. as it were. I, I think mean, you want to come in on this. I yeah. just want to throw in one thing. Also, if you're a businessman and, you're hot and you love business yep. and I speak your business language with yep. you, yep. you know, or, yep. or you love golf and yep. I speak golfing language Absolutely. with you. Absolutely. So, so, so it, it goes yeah. to many areas yes. That, that, yes. That, that, that makes one connect. It's a, I think the old man that's often on the show calls it uh, um, something of excellence. It's, it's just when you connect on something of mutual interest and Absolutely. benefit. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, want, I wanted to say that I was having a conversation uh, yesterday with one of my colleagues and I said, if, if I'm having a conversation or I chat with a person who wakes up in the morning and his first worry is bread on the table and I'm having a different conversation with a person who wakes up in the morning and he thinks about his new Ferrari, yeah. the two <laughs> thoughts can never be the same. Absolutely. I cannot be engaging them. Yeah. On the, on the same, and, and I think that's that's where it is. So the language, it's different. I mean, I need if I engage this person on their needs, on their core needs, I will touch them to their heart. Yeah. And if I engage the person and tell them about Ferrari, yeah, they'll get excited about it, but it's too far for them. My yeah. skiing holiday, you talk to a, a yep. person who's a sweeper. Yeah. Gee, I must tell you about my holiday in <laughs> north of Italy, skiing. You know, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Now I think we're on the same page. There. Thank you for those thoughts. Uh, I, I think you know. I look forward to, to taking pieces from that and sharing it with the world. Before we go into current challenges facing us as a society yeah. in South Africa, yeah. and, and you see it from a, you've seen it from many angles. I mean, at the BMF, you saw it quite clearly. Absolutely. It was strategic conversations with a, a lot of stakeholders. Now you're at BLSA, yeah. taking it to maybe even another level uh, in some respects. Yeah. Independent of leadership principles, management. What in life makes one successful? Yeah. Two or three things, just yeah. very briefly. Perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. Mm. You know, commitment. You, 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 you ask any successful person out there, they made it in life not because there were no obstacles, not because they've never failed, not because there were no hurdles that they had to come through, not because there were no disappointments, but the commitment, the focus on the vision, knowing what it is that you want, waking up every day and finding ways of how I'm going to achieve it. You know, you hit a stumbling block, you, 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 you find a wall, you know, on your path, on your, you, 
wake up and you say, am I going to go through it? Am I going to break it down? Am I going to go around it? Am I going to focus? But I'm getting because to the other know, side. But I know where I'm getting. Perseverance. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything else? Absolutely. <laughs> what, has, what has brought you to where you are? Perseverance? I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's definitely that uh, commitment, perseverance. Uh, it, it's definitely perseverance. You know, I, I, I took nine years to do my degree. Nine. People do it in three. Nine. I've qualified as a chartered accountant now at 39. Mm. When I matriculated at 16, sure. it took me 24 years. It takes an average person seven years to become a chartered accountant. My niece, who's 25 years old, just qualified as a chartered <laughs> accountant. You know, and I'm calling my daughter, I was saying, oh, but mom, you are 40. Uh, why, why is Bonnie qualifying before? <laughs> but, you know, when I matriculated back in 1994 at 16, I didn't even know, or rather I knew, because of the background where I came from, that I'm definitely not going to be able to go to varsity. I didn't even know what it is that I'm going to wake up and do tomorrow because I'm not going to be going to school anymore. But that end goal, I wanted to be a chartered accountant. 24 years later, I've achieved it. I mean, that commitment. you could have had so many distractions. Uh, your career, I mean, so many and excuses. Absolutely, mm. exactly. And I could have had many excuses, you know, but I, I, I knew exactly well absolute done. clarity yes. of purpose. That so you're the accountant absolutely. I'd like in my my conglomerate, <laughs> honestly, you know, because of life skills along the way, rather than just absolutely. a young absolutely. one who's intelligent, but gee, life experience, perseverance, you still got to go learn it, go learn it, you know. Um, True. So, uh, comments, Rogers? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, look, um, there's a there's an, a picture or a little video that I see of a, 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 a cartoonish looking character pushing a, a big boulder up the hill. And they're describing that as success. He struggles pushing it up. It keeps, but he never gives up. Uh, and, and I think that's exactly what uh, life is about. For you to be successful, Absolutely. it does not mean you're not going to uh, meet challenges. Absolutely. And what I often see and hear is you know, those, those that are obviously looking up. They think, oh, no, you've had it easy. You had a silver spoon in your mouth. And <clears throat> I tell people, um, you've you got absolutely no idea where I come from. Yeah. Absolutely no absolutely. idea. You do not, if you were to just look through my uh, eyes and go through my life and see exactly what I've been, you will not believe uh, the fact that we are where we are today. Absolutely. But I think uh, uh, it's about, I cannot say it better. It's about perseverance. Perseverance, Commit, commitment. Committed absolutely. to perseverance. Commitment. <laughs> <laughs> commitment to that's Absolute, nice. Absolutely. You know, I you absolutely have, you agree. You have to persevere. Exactly. And, and that's about that. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. We're all persevering, aren't we? But are you committed to it? Are you committed? Are you committed to yeah, it? Yeah, that takes True. it to another level. Thank you for bringing that together. Yeah. All right. Broader issues. I yeah. mean, we have lots we can talk about. We touched on it earlier in, in the show, the real needs of people out there. Uh, race. Uh, you know, I'm just in the throngs of, and I'll share it with you, of finishing an article on my perspective on race. And it's too bold. My wife doesn't even want me to publish it. <laughs> but it's a big issue. You know? It's always yeah. been uh, at the forefront of my mind yeah. is, is personally to overcome issues, but to help our society think through it and even debate vigorously. Yeah. But what are the issues from where you sit now that our country is facing? You know, the big issue, I think, that is uh, driving a whole lot of things, I think from a socio-economic perspective, my view it's definitely inequality and I think the 
uh, poverty and the unemployment, I think they still drill down to it's precisely because we are such an unequal society, you know, that we have those ills. And I think uh, definitely corruption. So I think if we can face head on those uh, two things, I think we can go far uh, as a country. So, uh, and when I speak of inequality, then I'm, I immediately then, you know, I'm, 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 I'm drawn to transformation, which is one of my uh, pet subjects. Uh, and this is what I was saying earlier, Andrew, just to say that I think this is one thing that is going to get this country to its knees if we don't uh, wake up and pay attention. You know, uh, it's very critical. It cannot be, you know, that uh, we continue to live or the majority of the citizens of this country continue to live in these abject conditions that they continue to live in 24 years into democracy. Um and I think this is where the you see the lack of leadership. And I think this is where the ANC government has failed dismally. And I think uh, the wake of political parties than the EFF are really have come up precisely because the ANC government have failed. And I think uh, uh, until they sit and take stock and take accountability and come up with ways in which they are going to fix this mess you know, then we're going nowhere slowly. I think this is where, as business as well, we have failed. I think terms such as white monopoly capital resonated because um, they really found a home. You know, I was talking to Bonang the other day, saying that, you know, as much as we're saying that that is a term that was probably coined by Bell Pottinger to try and deflect, you know, the state capture project, but it resonated because deconstructed it says that monopoly uh, or capital continue to reside in the hands of the minority. It cannot be. These are the pains, you know, of a lot of South Africans today. You know, you know and what is it that we're going to do to actually ensure that we actually fix this? And I think the proxy war of land, Adrian, you know, mm. and I call it a proxy war precisely because we have failed to address the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are stemming from the inequality issues. People are suffering because they don't have the basics. What are we as leaders in South Africa doing about it today? You know what excites me? We, we talk about these issues, and we have had the privilege now over the last few weeks to start interviewing BLSA CEOs. Yeah. And at this stage, the board members. Yep. So we sit with Adrian Gore, and there's something real happening there with the yep. fund yes. for SMEs. Yes. So we're waiting for that to move, and it yes. will. Yes. Then you sit with a Colin Coleman, and yes. he just launched with Sir Roman yes. speaking, and Stephen yeah. Kassif, the YES, yes. Fund, Youth yes. Employment Services. Uh, you've got some of your members on, on ESCOM's board. Yes. There's a bit of a, what's the word, a step back there now, unfortunately. Mm. But, but you, know, you just see these leaders, these CEOs, uh, stepping over the normal day-to-day responsibilities in a way and getting involved in the bigger issues of our society. That excites me. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you Absolutely. can see BLSA's board members yes. and yes. CEOs getting involved in yes. real issues. Yes. So, so you're putting your money where your mouth is literally as, a, as, a, as, a, as an organization. We definitely are. So those are some of the big issues. They are big. Yo, Busi, um, they are, Rogers, they are, they they're are. big. And, and you say to yourself, <laughs> can we ever, if you look at other countries, get to a point where we, we don't have such a large majority who live in those conditions? In those know? conditions. I, I think for me, uh, the, the thought is it's all about 
unemployment. Yeah. I mean, all the basic needs we're talking about, all the needs we're talking about, if a person has got the dignity, you know, employment brings along dignity. Absolutely. If you're employed, Absolutely. you can wake up in the morning Absolutely. and you can have the dignity yes. to buy your own bread yes. and not to be yes. having your hand out. Yes. And, and um, if, we, if we can resolve the employment issue, and it's got a ripple effect. What will happen is in a society, in Alexander, in Soweto, or Dobsonville, or wherever, a person will wake up in the morning, will go to work, month end, will get paid. Getting paid, will be able to buy bread at the spaza shop that's down the road. That spaza shop, the owner of the spaza shop, will be able to get money. Yeah. You understand what it's a ripple doing? effect. It's absolutely. a massive ripple effect. Yeah. The, the spaza shop becomes a supermarket. Supermarket employs more people. More absolutely. People. It's a massive ripple absolutely. effect. We need to solve the employment issue. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, the, the, if you think of all these massive conglomerates we have in the mm. country, mm. <clears throat> they're not in a position to hire. They're not hiring. Actually, mm. all of them, they're looking to curb their costs. Mm. Mm. Uh, I hope I'm not, I'm not repeating the same issue, but SMMEs are a way where employment will be I created. Yep. Um, we've got a lot of SMMEs. Yep. Government came up and they said they're going to create a department, a whole department, a ministry of SMMEs. Yes. It's been a dismal fail as far yep. as I'm concerned. Uh, if we can create an environment where SMMEs can be able to operate Absolutely. with much less red tape, Absolutely. they are the ones that are going to create jobs. Um, I mean, I've got, we've got a, an academy <coughs> where we, 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 we're getting graduates from school, we're getting young ones from school in hoping to get them to teach them skills that they can be able to be employable mm. uh, in the market. That's what we need to be doing. We need a bit more of that. Teaching. We need hundreds, thousands of those. Uh, and, and in doing that, we're going to bring dignity to people. Absolutely. And that's what is required. To be Absolutely. In my opinion. I yeah, yeah I, that's why it's... You, you can hear when an authentic person is speaking. Yes. Uh, Rogers is someone who's authentically <laughs> doing this and he's got struggles behind him and he's... He's got the black belt, you know. Yeah, yeah. the stripes to show it. Yeah, and the stripes <laughs> to show it. So I, I love that. And, and we sense that with you. We sense it with BLSA, with the CEOs we were interviewing. If I said to you, what conversations are we as a society not having but should? Or are we having the necessary conversations? Or are you saying, no, 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 hold on. There are some conversations that we're not holding. I think, and I don't want us to go there, but I think there's some ripple effects of the whole imperial issue. There are conversations there we're not holding. Yeah. They're at the, the boardrooms of society. Now, we're sitting with Mark Lamberti tomorrow. We're going to have a, a tough leadership conversation with him. You guys are also in the middle of that. Of course, he's a board member. But I don't want us to go there. I just want to say I think there's some issues there. It could be gender. It could be uh, old boys clubs. It could be race still. Yes. Or do you think we're an open society? We are having the conversations. We just have it more robustly, more openly. Where are we? We are having them at rent, but we are having them at a superficial level. We have not drilled down to the core, you know, to why we... So the, the, the way business is looking at transformation and, 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 and these uh, agenda emancipation issues and so forth and so forth, it's really at a superficial level. It's, it's, it's a tick box exercise. It's, it's, it's really as a means to an end. It's so that I can get my triple B E level to a level one or a level two. 
it's transactional. And I think that is the, that is the honest truth. And I think the reason why when we made our strategy as BLSA last year, we said one of our strategic pillars is inclusive economic growth and transformation. We didn't need to be explicit and include transformation because inherent in inclusive economic growth is transformation, but we wanted to be deliberate about it. And this is the reason why when Stephen Kosef announced that when he retires in October, 2018, he's going to be replaced by two CEOs, Fanny Titi and the, I've forgotten the other white gentleman's name. We applauded that as BLSA, but we said there is a bigger conversation that we need to have. These joint CEOs, whenever a black CEO emerges, you know, cannot be. You know, it is a painful conversation for South Africa. And we actually had a very tough conversation as the board of BLSA to say that were we supposed to actually have issued that statement in the first place you know but then if we don't begin to authentically have that discussion as blsa then who's going to have it why did we even have transformation as a strategic pillar if we are not willing to go there so i think yes we have transformation as one of our strategic pillars but if you ask me it's probably then at a superficial level because then if you issue a statement and we say that hold on we're supposed to have said that of course we're supposed to have said that. Why did we even have it as one of our strategic pillars? So we're having it at it a superficial level, Adrian. We need yeah. to have a more real discussion about these things. Those sensitive leadership situations, I think I looked at that specific uh, – because I have a leadership view on dual CEOs. I think it's ridiculous. Okay, Kulula used to have it. It kind of yep. worked for them. And then suddenly, yep. you know, yep. when Gidon Novik left, it stopped. Standard Bank had it. I wrote yes. a very scathing article about that at that time in Business Report. Uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense from a leadership point of view, philosophical point of view. Point of view. Then you bring the transformation in every time yes. when a black CEO is supposed yep. to take. So th- that was a sense of moment for BLSA who has to bring out a statement yes. saying, well, that's good news. You know, yes. we've got a, yeah. But yeah. there's a caveat. Yeah. Hold on. Absolutely. This trend, yeah. And I think yes. it was stated very well. Like Bonan yes. can state things very well. Yes. And I'm sure he's not the only one. But. So, okay, those are some sensitive conversations. And, and I think as a society, we are very open, very liberal. Social media is active and strong. So, so we are having it. But, um, if we're having it as on a social media level, it's too superficial. It, it, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you feel about South Africa's future? I'm very positive. I'm one of those patriotic South Africans. I think we have a lot that we can achieve at this country. I think what awaits for us as South Africans, you know, is great. We just need to be awake to it. We just need to be committed. We need to work hard at it. Unfortunately, it's not going to come by itself. But I'm very positive. We're definitely not going to go down the road of our other African uh, sister countries uh, with all the issues that we might be having as South Africans. I think we are bigger than that as a nation. We can definitely uh, out, out, outlive and overcome whatever issues that we may be facing. We just need to focus on solving them and really reach deep down within, you know, and, 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 and really focus on, 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 on um, solving the issues. So I'm, I'm, I'm not moving to Australia, not any time soon. <laughs> <laughs> Neither are we, are we? We'll take our uh, app to Australia, yeah, we'll for sure. But you know what? Um, it, it is fascinating times. I, as a yeah. white 50-year-old male South African, have a lot of friends who left the country over the last uh, you know, 20, 24 years. Yeah. And um, it's not just – it's mostly white people who left. Every time something dramatic happened, oh, here's a reason. You know, Trevor Noah says it so well. You know. 
he's brilliant in, in the way he communicates these sensitive issues. So, so on Facebook conversations, you have some announcement about Parliament exploring, you know, the change of the constitution, and there's some heated debates yeah. about this is the end and yes. South Africa's going down, yeah. and, and and then the farmer debate comes in, and all the and, and people feel so negative about the country. You can understand with very negative media that that they would. Then I sit here and I go, I see everything you see, but I also see you, and I see Bonang, and I see Adrian Gore, and I see um, Andile, you know, Sanko from uh, Anglo American. -American, Wow! And and I think I'm part of the solution as well. I'm willing to tackle the sensitive issues. I'm on the playing field. Um, So, so I see opportunity. I see. Absolutely. Opportunities to take greatness here into the world. Absolutely. But let's Absolutely. not be blind. Yes. Yeah. We've got yes. big challenges. We and it can explode at any time if we're not vigilant and careful and cautious and, and bold. So that's um that's kind of just my passionate rant. But <laughs> we've got to multiply more leaders, don't we? We've got just three, four minutes left. Yes. Um and in that I want your message to South Africa. Yep. A lot of what you said can go out yep. as a message. But but as you formulate that in your head, how do we multiply more leaders? Because we can come with a great NDP, National Development Plan. We can come with a great BLSA plan yeah. and strategy. But ultimately, it's leaders that will make it move mm. from where it is now mm. to a better place. Mm. We need leadership in, in government. Governments always had great plans, mm. haven't they? Beautiful Absolutely. intentions. Yep. yep. Movement just not happening. Yep. So how do we multiply more leaders? And that's where we come with our app and a lot of other things to try and expedite it somehow. Yeah. Just your thought on that very quickly, and then we'll end with your message to South Africa. Yeah. So I, I, I think it is really by uh, taking the time to teach, you know, to develop, to grow people. But I also think that if we look really deep down within ourselves, we all have, you know, I believe that everyone is born a leader. You know, you just have to tap, you know, into it. There is this beautiful saying that I absolutely love, which says that it is not who you are that holds you back. It is who you think you are not. So I think a lot of us are afraid to make the first step, to take the first action, to say the first word, to extend the hand first, you know, because we think we are not a whole lot of things Mm -hmm. and we think so, you know, so it is not who you are that holds you back. It is who you think you're not. You're not. Final message to South Africa. Let's say we've got all the leaders sitting in a massive auditorium and you must give them a 30-second message and then, Rogers, you can wrap up what you think we're taking away from this conversation. What would you say? So probably maybe... Maybe if I were to appeal to business, I think uh, business has got a, uh, a, a, a very opportune or a rather in an opportune time to can make a real massive difference. And I would appeal to business leaders to do exactly that, to really uh, extend themselves more, to uh, dig down deeper, to reach deeper within themselves to give more and to really uh, join hands with uh, the rest of civil society, government, to ensure that we achieve what it is that we need to achieve as a country. Excellent. I know there's a philosophy, I think, at one stage Jack Walsh said, why must I do more in my business? If my business succeeds and my people pay taxes, I do enough for society. Things have changed. And when you're in our country, 
I'm afraid there's a little bit more on your shoulders as a CEO than no, just no. running your business successfully. Absolutely. That's the baseline yeah. expectation. You've got to extend, mentor, help, go further. Roger, final comment? Absolutely brilliant session for me. Yeah, um, wasn't it? What, what a powerful lady. Uh, she, she's amazing. Uh, for me, it gives me comfort uh, having met Bonang and now having met yourself, Busi, uh, that at least, uh, you know, I was at Alexander when, when you guys uh, made oh, that pledge. I was yes. there. Great launch. Uh, it was amazing. And, and now having met yourself and, and, and both Bonang, uh, it gives me comfort to know that BLSA at least is in good hands. Uh, and, and as a, as an aspiring leader myself in the country, uh, I know that uh, we, we're going to be okay. We, we're going to be okay. You know, sometimes we we are very bad as human beings uh, to to give ourselves praises or to identify successes. We're yeah. always very easy to give criticism and what it is that we're doing wrong. There's so much good that's happening in the country and we can look at that and gives us empathize to do more. Um, and and uh, I think we've learned today, I've been taught today and it's been a pleasure being in your presence today. Thank you very much. You know that launch inspired me as a South African and almost 50 year old at the time to finally just go and learn the damn mm. national anthem. I was standing next to my <laughs> colleague here, singing with passion and feeling the energy and going, what's my problem? I'm a patriot. And I learned it. Ask him. I actually I memorized it and I sang it on video and I shared it. I was somewhat <laughs> stupid about it. But the point is it, it inspired me even more to, to, to do what I what I should have done always. Yeah. So I agree with you. Busasiwe Mavuso, COO of BLSA and board member, thank you for joining us on the BLSA Authentic Leadership Conversation Series. We are inspired every time we meet any of your, your CEOs and uh, we can see there's an energy there. And we look forward to sharing this with the world. That's our Leadership Masterclass. Again, every week, join us Mondays 12 to 1 live. But, of course, the podcasts are always available. And uh, we look forward to being with you again next week. Cheers, everyone. This is CliffCentral.com.